Hey there, plus size nerds. This is Nancy Basile, and today I have such a treat for you. This is a long episode, so get your coffee or your other beverage, but it is a good one, and you're going to want to listen to the whole thing. In this episode, which is the audio from um, a YouTube interview I did, I talked to Virginia Mendez of The Feminist Shop, and both of us have a lot to say about feminism and fighting sexism and doing it in small ways and in big ways. Um, She was a hoot to talk to. You're really going to love this. Today's episode is brought to you by the feminist shop you can go to plussizenerd.com slash the feminist shop all run together that is my affiliate link and if you use the code plus size nerd you will get 10 percent off your order they have t-shirts and sweatshirts with lots of different sayings different styles there's also books for sale um it and there's a blog that's just a huge resource for anything you need to know about feminism it's a great place to visit and Virginia is a great lady. So without further ado, here is the episode. So my random accent is a mix between my Spanish nationality and my Belfast living. <laughs> so that's what you're hearing. Well, why don't we start like right at the beginning? Uh, could you introduce yourself and yeah. tell us a little bit about um, the why you opened the feminist shop. So I am. Um, my name is Virginia, and I am Spanish. I I study law and business because I was going to be a very serious worker, um, and I work in Deloitte. Hated it. Price hated it. Um, working in another company, and it was always the feeling of yeah, I'm doing the right things that I should be doing, but. It's not for me. And mm. when I was pregnant with my first son, and I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl yet, I thought, I, was, I just want to write a book for them to know, you know, it doesn't matter if they're boys or girls. Um, I'm just going to love them, and, you know, I'm not going to limit them for their gender. I haven't always been a feminist, to be honest. I actually was one of those that refused to use the word. Is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes I love. I would love to talk with my old self and be like, "Guess what? You're gonna love this." Uh, I don't know if we will get along though, old me and me. Aww. But um, well, I'm still it's the same. It's just that I've learned so much down the way. And um, so by then, I was very determined that um, you know I was not let gender affect, and I was very comfortable with the word feminism and all. So I wrote this book. The book is called Mika Lolo, and it's a bilingual feminist book. And it's about uh, two cousins, a boy and a girl, that don't understand why they're treated different. And, and they just talk about, you know, what, he can do that, and I cannot. And, and they start writing it in a notebook and learning from it. So it encourages kids to apply critical thinking. Just, mm-hmm. like, just ask yourself, why? Because... Um, the truth is that they don't have that critical thinking. So it was more like a new topic book in which kids don't get it because the truth is that kids just learn what you tell them and they assume it's normal. Mm-hmm. So probably it's more a book for parents when they're reading it mm-hmm. and realize, oh, why we do that? Um, mm-hmm. But I loved it. I love the book. I loved the experience of promoting it. And, and I quit my job and I was like, okay, I'm going to focus in this. I'm going to focus in the book. But then in Christmas 2018, uh, my husband and I were looking for um, feminist presents for everybody because by then I was an angry feminist that didn't talk about anything else. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I know people are expecting feminist presents, so feminist presents it is. Um, And I realized that there was not a place, an obvious place or an obvious brand. Like there were like t-shirts here and things Mm. here but there was not one place and there Mm -hmm. was definitely not one brown that shouted about the values that I wanted to you know um some of the girl girl power and and t-shirts like that end up being um fabricated in factories abusing you know women uh, Mm -hmm. for 10 cents and and that is not what it should be about so 
Chris is, Chris, my husband, is an e-commerce geek. He's been working in e-commerce for 15 years. And he said, well, let's do it. Let's, let's build it. And, and it was good because we, it started with the idea of, okay, well, let's make something small. But then I got very excited. So it's like, okay, but we have to have recommendations and then we have to have books and we have to have this. And, and I was just trying to get into a website, everything that helped me be where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I wasn't a feminist myself and then I I was uncomfortable a feminist I mean I was a feminist but not comfortable maybe with the topic with mm-hmm. the what name and then I grow and I was comfortable but I wasn't maybe that confronted you know and you know I think to me it's been a journey and I think everybody I know it's in a journey and it doesn't mean the end is the same for everybody or we have right. You know, it's not a good way and that's the goal. It's just that we are in different spaces and we are all different and, and you know, we have different speeds and different views. So I wanted to be a, a website that um, invited every kind of feminist. It doesn't matter, you know, which stage you are, just to fuel it. Okay, so learn more, listen more. What can I do? What can I learn? Uh, what can I see? Mm-hmm. So, so we have... Uh, the books and then we come with the branding and and we have t-shirts with the f because we're <laughs> under the spread the f word um but also a slogans and our slogans come in different styles because we believe that you know there's we can be saying the same thing but in a different way so there's people that are maybe whisperers, there are people that are more bold, or, and it doesn't mean that we're not all in the same boat fighting for the same equality. And and I love the idea of feminism uniting people rather than, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of you don't get to call your feminist if mm. you don't, and I'm I I, th- I think that's not helping anybody because no. <laughs> because if somebody tells me now, well you don't get to call yourself a feminist if I'll be like. Like, okay, whatever. But if it happened to me maybe three years ago, or well, not three, maybe five, six, seven, it, maybe I would be like, well, then, then I'm not. Mm. And then maybe it would have stopped me from identifying mm. as a feminist. And then the cause itself, we have lost somebody. And I think we need to start telling people that, you know, you get to be a feminist is fine. And it's something you should wear with honor and not mm. with shame. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't mean we have to all agree in everything because feminism is a lot of people figuring mm-hmm. things out to have a better world in terms of equality. Yeah. And obviously we are people with different, you know, experiences and, and views and and it doesn't mean we're not rowing together for the same cause. And I think that's that's the main goal to me, the feeling of belonging, the feeling the the feeling of identifying each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we want to do. We want to, you know, help create that community, um, you know, feel the, um, give the content and, and give the space for talking and, and give all the materials and, and all our products are um, very ethically produced. So they're produced in a factory of renewable energy. The, the ink is vegan they're certified fairware so you know all, everybody all the workers are paid fairly there's no plastic in the delivery it's print on demand and drop shipping so it means that it goes directly from the printers to the final user so we don't have to multiply the co2 uh, footprint um so we we did a lot of research on how ethic we wanted our business to be because yeah we 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 feel like as business, we have that massive responsibility, especially in the fashion industry where it's really, oh. really damaging for the, for the world. So, um, yes, I saw um, on Netflix, uh, Hassan Minaj has a show called The Patriot Act. I had zero idea of how damaging fast fashion is on the planet. Oh, I had no, no clue. And I saw that. And since then, I have been so much more uh, mindful about oh, where yeah. and what I'm buying, uh, it was it was incredible. I really didn't have any idea. You just said a whole bunch of things that are awesome, so I'm gonna back up a different. I talk, I talk a lot. Sorry. Sorry. Watching, no, it's <laughs> for everybody watching. I just want you to know that anything we bring up or talk about today, the links will be in the description. So the book she just mentioned, I'll have a link to that in the description. Obviously, is 
well as to her sh shop and everything. I think it's so great that, um, first of all, that you made that journey. Um, because really, even if you're Emma Watson, for instance, you're probably still on a journey, even if you oh, feel, yes. you know what I mean? Like, even if you think like, I'm a feminist, there's always More someone else's experience. Um, I also think it's fantastic that you um, have, you are open-minded about what it means to be feminist, because I agree with you. There are too many people out there saying, you can't call yourself a feminist because you're not feminist enough. And if you are someone who maybe is slightly timid or shy or like you just, or, you know, in your early journey, just figuring this stuff out, that is completely going to put you off and you're going to Absolutely. think, well, why, right. Why would I bother? Or why would I ever speak up about anything? Um, yeah. And yeah. And I also think it has a lot to do with who you surround, who you are surrounded by. And in our early lives, we don't have much choice yeah. who <laughs> surrounds us. And so I think that that's a big reason why as we, as women get older or really anyone gets older and they start learning more about the word and choosing who, they get to surround themselves with. That's a big influence. Um, and so I love that your website is kind of a beacon for people who want to express feminism, who want to be feminist, learn more about it. Because once you find, like you said, once you find more people, it gets so much easier. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And, and I think we fuel each other so much. I um, Sometimes I'm like, oh, when am I even doing this? Like, oh, I see everyone gonna take off and then, I have a friend of mine or somebody just texting me and saying, I had the best conversation ever about feminists and I said this and this and I convinced the person and they agree and, and you know, thanks. I couldn't believe I didn't see that before, but after our conversation, that seems so clear and, and it matters. I, that's yeah. how we're going to change the world. One conversation at a time, one person's mind at a time, because it's a domino effect. Like, because whenever you, my biggest feeling with feminists is that you cannot unsee things. Once mm -hmm. the same way with, with fast fashion. Once you are aware, you cannot be unaware anymore. You cannot say like, well, now that I know all these, I choose not to care because you care. You, you yeah. it's so important not to care. Um, so I think that that's how we do it. We just make people see you know, even small things and then put them in front of the conversations and in front of the information and and just let that, you know, yeah. be part of them and then they'll change somebody else's mind because, um, yeah, we, we all want, I truly believe that humanity is good and we all want a better world. It's just that sometimes we are so focused in our own small world and the information we're given that we're we don't see anymore and diversity is key like mm -hmm. i know how much i've learned from you know having friends different from me and and i know quite a lot about feminism now and yet i learn things every single day and i learn right. about afrofeminists and i learn about intersectionality and about single moms struggling and about uh, class privilege and and all mm -hmm. that is fascinating because whenever you're just with the same people, watching the same programs, reading the same kind of books, you know, you're just going to learn so much. Yes, absolutely. What do you think right now in our world is the biggest obstacle personally to people um, when it comes to equality? And when I say that, I don't mean, obviously, we have huge obstacles, like, for instance, in the United States, the Equal Rights Amendment has never actually been ratified. What? Um, but like in a person's life, what do you think is an obstacle uh, that keeps people from seeing those differences or wanting to be a feminist? Well, I think, um, I think, to me, it all comes back to what we tell kids. I think the real difficulties is that we're not building feminist kids. We are letting them know and we're repeating them until it becomes true that they're different. Mm -hmm. And then it follows them and it waits them all their life. Um, and it's very difficult to unlearn. I think I'm finding that unlearning things 
is much more difficult than learning things. Mm. So the process of, oh, I didn't know that and now I know it is quite easy at any stage. But the process of, oh, wow, I thought that that was the truth. And I've learned that it's not. And I just right. need to rebuild it. And because we're so structured under the gender definitions and it's everywhere, it's clothes, it's um, it's books, it's TV shows, it's adverts, it's the media, it's the way we talk to each other, it's the jokes, it's the lack of female representation in school books, it's the lack of role models, it's the way, you know, it's if it was one thing that we could address, it would be difficult, but it would be doable. But the problem is that you need to go to the roots and just, you know, shake it from the beginning because it's everywhere and mm-hmm. um, i mean i i find very difficult now watching films i mean like oh there you go <laughs> crazy's hating watching tv with me lately there you go funny eh no more women's oh wow <laughs> and another male engineer surprise there you uh-huh. go all your white male representation of power surprising eh um oh, and, it's, and it's just so everywhere that it has so much impact. So I think it has to be like, a, it, it ha- that's why it needs to be a process because you mm-hmm. find yourself, like I find myself a lot of times being like, wow, I thought that. Somebody was telling me the other day, oh, I had a problem with the principal and I said, oh, why didn't you write to him? And she said like, it's a hair. I'm like, wow, why did I say him? I was like, wow how obvious and and i am quite i mean i own the feminist shop i'm literally obsessed with feminists and boom can't help it right right it's it's like you said it's hard to unlearn something and those assumptions are you know they're so small but they make a big difference um one of the things that i think is interesting about my children's generation I had, my generation had it some, but my children, they're teenagers. Um, I was talking with my doctor one day, who is also a woman and a feminist. And one of the things she said was, you got to remember when I was, that's okay. When I was growing up, she said, you never thought of a principal being a woman or a doctor being a woman or a judge being a woman. And my children that's just an assumption. Um, when Hillary Clinton didn't win the election in 2016, I was devastated. And it broke my heart to tell my young daughter that I was so looking forward to the two of us experiencing the first female president in the United States. And when that didn't happen, it broke my heart. But when I said something to her, she just kind of looked at me like, what's the big deal? Because to her, Yes, it, you know, that's it, not yes. a milestone. She expects the next president to be a female any day now because in her world that's not an obstacle. Yes. So I think there is hope. Oh no, <laughs> no, I, all along, but it is it's funny how the, yeah, those sneaky little assumptions and and sometimes when you point them out to people, they're just so surprised like, "Oh, I did I never looked at it that way." Um I think most of it is. I think I really think um, Patrick is not just <laughs> 10 men in a room drinking whiskey and saying, <laughs> we're going to ruin the world for all the women because we're superior. I think it's much more subtle. It's like it's a culture that is so embedded and so mm. rooted in everything that mm-hmm. it's very difficult to to change because, you know, it has a lot of different arms uh, and people get very defensive. I mean, a lot of the time, we spend just petting, I find that I spend petting men's ego. No, we don't hate you. No, you're fine. No, not all men. And it's a lot of time and a lot of energy. Like, look, I mean, I, mm-hmm. and, and I'm okay because it's it's my job and, and, I, and I like it. But, but I can see how it is exhausting. <laughs> like, look, seriously, we cannot spend all the conversation, you know, all the time talking about how this is good for you, how this, it, you know, how we need you to be on board, how it's not insulting, because this is not what it is about. Right. Um, and, and it's about, and it is good for them, and they get a lot out of it, and we have a section specifically for the role of men in families, and we talk about mental health in men and tools, and, mm-hmm. 
but it is there's a lot of time that is dedicated to those kind of things and it's like we need to be having you know so many conversations about so many things mm-hmm. um, but yeah no I do believe that there's a lot of hope uh, the new generations are so inspiring to me mm-hmm. so inspiring I am hopeful about them and I um, and there's a lot of actually a lot of women very young women leaders that you know, surprised me, Malala, Greta, and yeah. um, I always yeah. forget the name. What's the name of the shaved head girl that talk about guns? Oh, I don't uh, know. It's American. Um, what's her name? Oh, the girl from Florida. Yeah. Yes, I don't and, know. And she made me cry. I think, you know what, that's, that's what we need. We need all those voices with all their different personalities, but they are hope. And the way yes. they see things so clearly and they're not going to stop, it is really yeah. helpful. Yes. It's a, it's a tricky, like you said, spending all this time making sure that men, especially white men, feel okay does take a lot of energy away from the actual Changing the things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I, I wonder, a lot of that probably just has to do with, again, the culture and the unlearning, because if their ego or their confidence or self-esteem has been built entirely upon their privilege and their entitlement, you know, that they have been uh, held up or puffed up or whatever, when that part gets stripped away, possibly this is where all the anger is coming from, from certain people, you know, a, a group of them that then they think, well, what else do I have? You know, they haven't had to look inside or to depend on themselves like women or to cheer themselves on like women have had to. Um, so they don't have kind of that foundation once you strip away the privilege and, and the, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the networks, for example, that women can create mm-hmm. are much stronger, the connections and, all, all those kind of things and the possibilities to talk. I mean, we take away so much from boys mm-hmm. because we don't want them to be anything like a woman. Um, so because everything that is related with female is wrong, don't be a girl, don't cry like a girl, don't do this, that's, you know. And we force them to be something that is not okay. And the truth mm-hmm. is that we are the main victims of of battery, but so they are. But the problem is that it's all about them. I mean, Chris is um, the co-founder of the website. He is the person that forced me to realize that I was a feminist. Like, Virginia, of course you are a feminist. I mean, he was <laughs> calling himself feminist before I was. Um, and yet sometimes we talk about something and it takes him five minutes always to just be like oh yeah fair enough and he's like exhausting Chris exhausting (laughs) no (laughs) can't you just not agree straight away with what I say and sometimes he does it when I'm in bed and I just make a comment and he's like it's 10 30 or it's 11 and then he's like well yeah but what about him and he's like Chris no (laughs) now because now we're gonna have a two hours conversation and the kids are gonna wake up at six but otherwise I won't be able to sleep and we have to talk it through but it's like why and then these and this and then he always say oh yeah I guess you're right like, <laughs> right. Oh, why, why don't yeah. you can't can you oh this time you come on Virginia this time you went a bit too far no <laughs> no never too far that's um, so funny um I have I used to write for uh, CBR.com, which is comicbookresource.com. And one of the articles I wrote, I was one of the very few female staff members at the time. <clears throat> and one of the articles I wrote, they they had had all these um, lists of male characters who had slept with other female, you know, female comic book characters. And they said, what about a list of who, you know, Wonder Woman has been romantically involved with? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm on it. And so I wrote my list, I wrote my article and I put it out there. And my husband, who I would say, yes, he's a feminist. And my brother who, oh my gosh, yes, is a feminist. Both of them separately without knowing the other one said anything to me, both said to me like, 
I don't know about that list you wrote. And I said, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? They were like, I don't, that kind of went a little too far. I mean, you said that like sometimes she has a fight and then she has sex to blow off steam. I mean, that's a little bit much. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Because if that had been Batman or The Flash or, you know, I, t uh, Tony Stark, you wouldn't have said anything. Like, so, I know. So you still have to sometimes point that out to them like, oh, but it's so ingrained. Yeah, and that's the problem. Like, those are the good ones. <laughs> those are the ones that those are like the good ones, the ones that care, mm -hmm. the ones that inform themselves. So on top of that, you get all the others that feel threatened. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I, it's because I hope better. It's because I expect better from men that I am a feminist because yeah. I think you can be better because I don't think that's a given. I think mm -hmm. there's a better world for all of us. And that is the opposite of hate men. It's loving yeah. men so much that you want them to be at their very version, which yeah. involves, yeah. you know, equality. Mm hmm um, what do you do with your own children to break down kind of those assumptions? Um, well, I am, like, I, I just give them all the choices. My kids are not very aware of gender just yet, which is that great. That is a beautiful time. Yeah, that's a great time. Um, but most of the kids their age are, um, well, with Eric's age, well, Eric doesn't. Eric... Um, Eric's favorite color is pink because my hair is pink. So since I dyed like over a year ago, uh, he thinks it's our thing. So it's mommy's Aww. favorite color is pink and Eric's favorite color is pink. And, and he loves um, things that are described as boyish and he loves a lot of things that are described as girlish, but they don't know that. So sometimes they're playing with other kids and somebody will mention it or somebody will, but they are just so oblivious <laughs> to it. Eric, um, Eric always, we get a lot of hand-me-downs clothes mm -hmm. and he was given, and Nora gets so much dresses and pink things and Eric always opens them like, can I wear this? And I'm like, look, Eric, it's just, you're, you're too big, you won't fit. But the other day he, he found a dress that he fits and he was like, he tried it on and he was like, but I fit, can I wear it? And I was like, of course you can. And he was so happy. Yeah. And, and I would never, or if we're in groups of thoughts and sometimes he wants to dress up as Shrek and sometimes he wants to dress as a princess and sometimes as Superman. <laughs> and I am okay with each choice. And I would never look at him funny or try to discreetly encourage him to do something because I think... I mean, what's not to love about sparkling things, especially when you're three and a half? I mean, yeah. how can I explain to him that something soft and sparkly and fun is not for him because he's a boy? Yeah. And, and the same with Nora. Nora is very like a climber and very rough. And, and I just try to not call her pretty all the time and, you know, just try to focus in... It's so easy to tell her, oh, you look so beautiful with that dress. Um, right, right. So just try to <laughs> also say, like, I love how you're so brave or aren't you smart? And, mm -hmm. and just I policy a bit what they read, um, what they watch. And if there's various stereotype, I just don't let them watch it and try mm -hmm. to just put them in front of um, things that I think they're more... Uh, useful now that they're developing their idea of the world mm -hmm. and, and it, to me it's just about because I'm very aware unconsciously I see things and then I bite my tongue and, and I find I'm probably doing a lot of wrong things too but the ones that I know the ones that by my God tell me like mm, <laughs> I just try my best to avoid them because I think this is a great time to start building those foundations um, and I'm, I, I'm writing my second book of Mika Lolo, and it's about consent for kids. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's written, it's just need to be translated and all the designs. And, and that's something we practice a lot in this house. So, you know, no means no and respecting boundaries and physical boundaries and 
mm-hmm. as adults and as kids and you know even in the small things because uh, because that matters and that builds up who they're going to be and and mm-hmm. the whole idea around what consent is and it's not just don't rape nobody you know people that right. go and rape right. is just it's just people that obviously don't understand consent and they're you know it's the entitlement and it's all that so we just feel very responsible of our kids and to be honest I, I love mostly, yeah. you know it's funny this is an area here we go so I was in my 40s <clears throat> always been a feminist thought I right thought I had it down thought I knew what I was talking about and I went to hear an author Don't we all? <laughs> and I apologize, I can't remember her name. I will look it up and I will put it in the description, but her book was Girls and Sex. I, have you read that? Yes, I have it in the stock. In the, yes. Yeah, uh, I have yes. it in the show. And so I went to hear her speak at a local college. Uh, a friend of mine invited me and she blew my mind. I thought, you know, I thought I had a handle on everything. And then I heard her speak and thought, Whoa, I have a lot of rethinking to do. I have a lot to do with my children to make sure they don't grow up with these assumptions that I didn't even know I had until she pointed them out. It was it was wild. But I get that all the time. That's the funny <laughs> thing. Like like you're like, yeah, no, I have this thing. And then you read something and say, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that like it was always there. And yeah. until somebody says, like, have you seen this? And you're like, because it's part of who we are. We don't spot those things and sometimes until somebody tells us. But but isn't it the beauty that then you cannot unsee it and it does have a massive effect on who you become? Yes, because now that is the filter I use when I see situations on TV or movies or when I'm having conversations is now everything is seen through that lens like, oh, no. For instance, uh, I recently re-watched part of uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, um, which came out when I was a teenager. I loved it. I love Bill Murray. He's hilarious. In the one scene, he has, you know, asked, he's had the perfect day with Andy McDowell, and he asks her up to his room, and he starts putting moves on her. And for the next, I'm going to say, five to ten minutes, she spends that time fighting him off or saying no or coming up with excuses while he's, you know, trying to put the moves on her. And I thought when I saw that as a teenager, I saw nothing wrong with that scene at all. Like, yeah, that's how it, that's how it is. That's, that's how it is. Right. That's how some men are. And she didn't want to. So and she can't just flat out say, no, get the F off me. <laughs> she has to make up all these excuses and be polite. And all. And now when I saw it, I was like, Oh no. no, no oh yeah. No what are you doing she said no once back off <laughs> so you're right you can't unsee it you have a blog post right now about these website omg yes is that what it's called oh my god yes yes that's exactly what it's called that's one of the areas i totally agree with you that we don't talk enough about women and sexuality I mean, it's sometimes talked about, but I don't think in such a frank and bold way. Um, for instance, you said, why aren't we talking about our vulvas more? Why? <laughs> why? Why is this such a big deal? I mean, do we not hear about penises like 20 All the time. <laughs> day from wherever, your own husband, teenage boys, the TV? I mean, penises are talked about all the time, yet vulvas are like this whole, you know, this taboo subject. Um, did you sign up for a subscription? Can you tell us a little bit about that website? Yeah, so it is an amazing website. Um, it is, I think it's something like £39. I don't know what's that in dollars um, for a season. And the season is like a one-off subscription that grants you access for life. Hmm. And all the money goes to support the team and further investigation. So they're doing one in pleasure after trauma, pleasure oh. in menopause, um, pleasure in trans people. So mm-hmm. they're investigating things that needs investigated and needs to be spoken about. Um, but these first two, three seasons, I think, well, the third season is going to be about toys, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's about female pleasure. Mm-hmm. So it is 
shocking the first time because you don't really know what you're going to find. And it's, it's based on 20,000 interviews oh, wow. doing from women from 18 to 95 years old. It's a lot of experience there. Uh, so you get in and there's a video of a woman saying what she likes very openly and you know just you're talking about sex or you're laughing a bit or you're smiling and you're like I mean, it's pleasant and it's yeah well I had the best orgasm with my blah 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 and I remember why and and this and this is how I like and this is how I don't and, and then it, they give you a lot of data so 96% of women like this and this is mm. our example of how it's done and they're there are different variations of this technique. And then there's other videos of them doing it on themselves. Mm. So it's like mm -hmm. a video of a woman masturbating while she talks to you. So like I like from up to down and then I just do this and then I don't like this and then I stop and, and they just use their own vulva to explain mm -hmm. how they like it. Okay. And I am very, I mean, Spanish people are super open-minded with sex, especially, well, I'm going to say oh, from Madrid, right. from Madrid, like we talk about sex, no problem. Chris was freaking out whenever he first came to Spain, like <laughs> too much information. Um, yeah, he's from here, which they're the opposite to very often. They're really, really not open about sex. <laughs> so to him, it was a bit of a cultural shock. Um <laughs> Like, I will make sexual jokes with my parents, no problem. Okay. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, and, uh, and, I, and I just get caught uncomfortable. I was like, mm, so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was just there and I was like, I am, I am, I have, I'm having feelings of discomfort with this. Interesting. And I'm, you know, like, wow, does it, I don't think that looks like mine. Do I even know how mine looks like? I mean, right. I've never, I was like, I don't, I cannot. Is that, Grace, is that how mine looks like? I'm just like, no, not really. It's like, oh, very good, very good. Okay. Uh, like, I couldn't do that. I don't have all that. <laughs> Where's all that? Um, so mm -hmm. I just thought it was shocking because <clears throat> you can't help it. You feel even more uncomfortable with, some part of your own body that I will yeah. feel seeing like any penis because I've seen 10,000 in TV and everywhere and they're all, you know, um, yep. so yeah, you see it. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it takes one second and then I think it's part of the learning, like, mm. hell yes, woman, thanks for doing <laughs> that. Um, and then they invite you to try it on and they give you some tips on what works and what doesn't. And there is even like an interactive video for those who don't have a vulva, mm -hmm. don't want to try. So you can just masturbate the screen. Uh -huh. uh, I'm Where was that? I have one. Was 30 years ago. That's what I want to know. Where was it 30 years ago when I, I figure out how to have my own orgasm? Let alone tell somebody else how to do it. It's it took just, a long time for me to figure it out. It's, to me, it did, but I remember very clearly telling my sister, Irene, I've just found out that if you put the shower tub here, it's really fun. <laughs> and every time I think like, I would never tell her about this. Like, but I have that very clear memory, like finding out and be like, I need to share this. This is class. I mean, well, I hope she knows that because it's really cool. Uh -huh. And I was like, may I don't talk about that anymore. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's just, uh, it was just very good because then we would try it uh, and it was very pressure free. Mm. So like, let's try this. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, that's completely fine. Yeah. And then it was good. Like, uh, I guess I like that after all. I would never yeah, say that. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was great because it's getting to make me know my body better. And it's that mm -hmm. time where... It's not a time where it's like, okay, it's born, let's watch porn. It's more like, oh, let's discover something. But even Chris is fascinating about the different ways to give pleasure to women. Like, I can't believe orgasms can be so different. And, and you women seem to be more sensitive because you're trying to tell something and it's like, can you just move one little bit? And they say, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Right, um, right. So it's just very... It's just amazing how yeah. little we know and how 
not prompt to experiment or to talk about it in a healthy positive way and so yeah. I just I just loved it I really loved it um, and I think some people need it more than others because they don't even have the friends to talk about it or the situation mm -hmm. around uh, that is welcoming to explore mm -hmm. so this feels like you have a whole community and friends just mm -hmm. guiding you through without no judgment that's so, wonderful yeah. yeah it's really good yeah. Um, you also have a section on your website called Take Action. What are some simple, not necessarily easy, but simple ways that people can take action if they feel, you know, like they want to promote feminism, but maybe they're not sure where to start? I, to be honest, I really want to work more in that we have one of the things we're thinking of doing and we're talking with the uh, people in church.org is having petitions so people can sign because that's oh. one of the things that seems very small and it takes literally two minutes mm -hmm. and it makes an impact like mm -hmm. it adds up and it even morally you feel like yeah mm -hmm. by myself maybe it didn't mean much but look at us now we're 500,000, then we're, you know, and um, Caroline Criado Perez, I don't know, you probably know her, she's just the best. She wrote a book called Invisible Women, which is the book. Yes, and yes. She's, I mean, amazing. And she sent a newsletter every, every whenever, to be honest. But one of the things she has is uh, templates to write to your MP. So if they receive a lot of letters, they obviously they're more prompt to do something. Using, mm -hmm. um, you know, just start introducing very small changes, even in the house, as in, I do in, the, in my Instagram page, I do challenges mm -hmm. called Purple Lens Challenges, which is um, just the small things. Like, have you realized the kind of books that you're reading? Oh, just analyze these or have you checked this? Just trying to spot things that are very small, but hopefully once you're aware, mm -hmm. you see them. Obviously, it's all the volunteering activists, going to demonstrations and volunteering groups. I am quite active in um, the homeless period. Uh, mm. So things like that, there's... Or, you know, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's time, sometimes it's just sharing and spreading the, the word. Um, obviously, I believe a lot in being a responsible market agent. You know, I, I'm very careful now on when I, where I buy and I try to support female-owned or, you know, small businesses or ethical business and things that are aligned with my feminist values. And, and just to start a conversation, sometimes it's just talking about it and having the initiative to read more about it and getting informed and, and let that, you know, become who you are. And then because you will change. And obviously, one, the more you know, the more you will be wanting to share that knowledge with other people and they'll change and, and all that. So I, I believe in micro actions that goes a long way with the domino effect. Yeah, absolutely. I think actually a lot of times um, the conversations are actually with one-on-one -on -one are the hardest things and the scariest things. Um, you know, going to a demonstration, you're surrounded by people who think like you, you know, signing a letter, you're there just quietly by yourself. But sometimes those conversations with someone you know, and that goes for any issue like racism or, or anything like that, those can be hard. Yeah, I mean, tell my dad. <laughs> I don't think I'm invited oh. anymore in Christmas. Um, no, he he's. I think he is proud. But my dad and I talk a lot <laughs> about these kind of topics, and there's a lot of back and forward. And um, sometimes it's not about being confrontational. I am quite confrontational, depending on who. But sometimes I choose not to. Sometimes I just point something out very politely. Like, mm. look, I'm not comfortable around this joke or, well, mm, I am going to have to disagree with this and studies point out this. But if you're interested, I can send you a link 
to this article mm-hmm. and you can read mm-hmm. a little bit more about it because mm-hmm. it shocked me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it can be even small things. Um, I have a friend that makes me laugh. She asked me sometimes to reply to her WhatsApp groups. Oh my God, I got this message. Virginia, write me something because <laughs> I want to say something. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> oh, wow. I know what you mean. So sometimes I get that. I offer that services to friends to reply oh, your friends. That's a great <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just replying to Lucia's works, WhatsApp groups. Like, oh. why? It's like, because it's important that we pass this message and they need to know. Or yeah, can you yeah. send me some article about it? It's like, yeah, on it. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that... Um, yeah, sometimes just that one statistic that is mind-blowing can completely, you know, shut yeah. up a conversation. <laughs> like, okay, like, you know that it's five times more study erectile dysfunction that gynecologic is probably OB problems for women. Yeah. Like, five times more. This, I mean, that's yeah. how much women matter, like, Men having heart is five times more important than women mm-hmm. being healthy. So just, you know, you can't really fight that. I mean, yeah. that is not an example of the society failing, you tell me. There's um, another instance where I went my whole life knowing something, but until someone pointed it out, I didn't realize what was going on. My whole life seeing doctors, um, you know, not being believed or being being treated poorly or having crass comments made while they're examining me, et cetera, et cetera. It was just par for the course, right? And now if a doctor said or did anything like that, I would be like, oh, what are you doing? Because that is not right. Um, yeah. Because, you know, now it's different. It's been pointed out. No, they shouldn't be saying, the, and yes, they should believe you. Well, my husband and I watched John Oliver on HBO, and he did an, a whole episode or half an episode about um, women, how women are treated in the medical community, and especially how black women are treated in the community, which is worse than white women, of course. Um, everything. And it was interesting because just one of the things he they brought up was in a medical journal that was being used by med students for uterine cancer. They did not actually study, examine, talk to any women for it. It was all extrapolated from men who had cancer. Not a single woman was used in the study or research. And the book was from the 1990s. That's ridiculous. Oh, I was like, what? It just, it's so mind-blowing. So just like you said, five times uh, the research for erectile dysfunction compared to like menopause. <laughs> anything like, else. Yeah. I was like, uh, <clears throat> I've rest my case. Like, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Mic drop. Bye. Like, right, that right. is, it's just that you need to, re- I don't know if you have, but you need to read Invisible Woman. Like it is really it's one of those books that you're like reading and being very upset and being like, oh, wow, oh, wow, no, not on my watch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the ones that you really, Chris watched me reading and say, you're so funny. <laughs> like your face is changing so much. And I'm like stopping, like, guess what? It's like, I'm going <laughs> to read it too. It's like, Virginia, don't tell me every paragraph of the book. I'm planning to read it you need to listen to this (laughs) um so yeah it's just it is upsetting that is so real Um, Mm -hmm. but uh there's a lot of there's also a lot of great things as you said like it is also very exciting to be alive in these times when so much is happening yes i feel like i'm i can be i'll tell my kids things and they won't believe me you know, I'll tell them things like, right. oh, this used to happen. And they'll be like, mom, that's absurd. I cannot believe that this happened to you. And that will be such a refreshing experience that to them that is just not conceivable. Um, right. So that's, yeah, I think there's going to be some of that. I think, I think it's very, yeah, it's very helpful. And I think it's very exciting to see all the changes and all the micro revolutions that are happening in every single part. Yeah. Everywhere I look, I see like 
how feminist is affecting every single area. So it's medicine, it's education, it's politics, it's, um, you know, the TVs. I mean, the TV is amazing nowadays. There's so many amazing TV programs. The books, it's just, it seems that it's like a virus is getting everywhere. <laughs> That's one that it's good that it's pandemic, it's global, it's getting everywhere. And I think that is so beautiful. I think, and, and we're witnessing it and, and we're part of it. Yeah. It's historical. It's it's yeah. almost too much to think about while we're in the moment, like how this is changing our history, you know, changing our future. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> and how historical it will be. Every once in a while, I'll say to my kids, like, you're going to be telling your kids and your grandkids about this. Yeah. You know, but, know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and we think, we have to thank a lot of people, obviously, behind it. But um, Clementine, for I went to see her presentation in Belfast once, and she said... Um, probably in a more eloquent way, but um, that we're part of a big puzzle and we are the same feminists. It's the same journey that suffragist went and then it came to mm. the sec, the next ones and the next one and we're all linked and we're all just picking up where they left it and bringing to the next and none of us will see the end of it. Yeah. We were part of that big change, yeah. a big, you know, that started ages ago and will take a lot of time, but we all matter and we all need to do our best to pass it as far as possible to the next ones. And I thought that was really, really empowering. Very. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap up our incredible Yay. interview because quite frankly, Virginia, I could talk we to could you. We could talk forever. <laughs> subject. <laughs> but I want people to know that they can go to thefeministshop.com and find the books that you've talked about, find excellent apparel that they know have been ethically sourced and sewed and made. And um, if you go to plussizenerd.com slash the feminist shop, that is my affiliate link and use the code plus size nerd. You'll get 10% off your order. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank thanks very so much, much for having me. Yeah, this was great. Um, and I love your website. And I, like I said, I love that it's a beacon and a place that people can go and find the information they need, like you said, to take action. Brilliant. Thanks a million.